Thank you for listening to the Roundtable Consult, where we discuss political and social issues that matter to you from a spiritual, medical, and legal perspective. Join the conversation with your host, Attorney Sonia Madison and Dr. Mark Williams. Welcome to the Roundtable Consult. I am your host, Dr. Mark Williams, and I'm glad to be back here. And I know you all are glad to not have to only deal with my co-host, Attorney Sonia Madison. Good morning, Sonia. Trying to lose viewers within the first two seconds of the show? <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we can let you come back in today. <laughs> well, have you found your best life? Because you know I've been joking about how you've been out trying to find it. So I'm still <laughs> trying refreshed? to find it. Still trying to find it. Still, whatever refreshment I had was sucked away this past week. <laughs> Just trying to catch up. <laughs> so it's all good. I kind of missed you a little bit. Kind of missed hosting you. with you. Kind Just a little of. bit. Kind I of. Kind of. I ain't seen you smile so big all year. Ah, yeah, right. Yeah. Look at you trying. Uh, Just trying. We're really glad to <laughs> see you, Sonia. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, this was actually probably some of the most frustrating travel that I've had in a, in a long time. Um, we actually went to New Mexico on July the 21st, 20th, 21st or something like that. We flew there for a memorial service. It was supposed to be a quick in on Wednesday evening, back out on Thursday evening, right after the memorial service. Everything went fine. We got there good. Memorial service was beautiful. We ate lunch and headed back to the airport. Our flight was supposed to leave at like 5.30 in the evening or something. And it just kept getting pushed back further and further and further. And then 11.30, about 11 or 11.30 at night, they say, well, we're not going to be able to get you back there. So we have to, you have to spend the night. Well, I was supposed to come to work just for one day on Friday. I had patients scheduled to be seen and uh, consults I needed to do was planning to run in Friday to leave back out Saturday morning to go to Mexico. Well, that all went to pots because we didn't get back in town till about 11 p.m. Friday and had to do a quick change for 540 a.m. flight to Mexico the following morning. And so it turned out um, we we went, got the flight, went to Mexico, enjoyed our time in Mexico. And um, on the way back, we knew that some of our, the people who had gone with us, they've had, it was a large group, um, had problems going through customs. And they went through Atlanta, of course. You know, that's a problem <laughs> going through Atlanta. I'm not going to deny it. <laughs> <laughs> she said, shamefacedly. <laughs> But we went through Chicago and everything went beautifully. I mean, the flight was on time. We went through customs, no lines. They, as soon as we came through customs, we had to recheck our bags. Our bags were a little bit of overweight. I carried, you know, I had a cooler full of fish that I caught back and uh, brought (laughs) back. And everything goes just fine until we get to our connecting flight. It pulls off on time and they're like, we should be having probably a 57 minute flight from Chicago to 
You know how the pilots say in their pilot boards. <laughs> a short 57-minute flight to Nashville. And um, probably about 20 minutes from Nashville, they said, we're about to begin our initial descent into Nashville. And next thing you know, 45 minutes later, we haven't descended into Nashville. And I look at the flight tracker. The flight tracker shows that we've just been going around in a circle. And no sooner than I do that, the uh, pilot comes on and says that they've been just circling around trying to divert from weather bad weather oh. so i'm like oh gosh so we're gonna try it again they s- flew around in circles for a little while longer probably another half hour or so and then they finally said well it looks like we're going to have to go to indianapolis to refuel <laughs> <laughs> now mind you by this time we had been traveling already for about 12 hours that day just because it was it was already a long flight i'm worried about my frozen fish if it's gonna thaw out in the cooler or what <laughs> And uh, so we get to uh, Indianapolis and I tell Dries, I said, you know, it's about to happen. They're all their All their shifts are about to end. And, you know, we're going to get stuck in Indianapolis. <laughs> and so they told us, they said, well, we did find another pilot, but we have we have about 15 minutes to refuel and pull <laughs> out of this gate and get her oriented. And they pulled out probably about two minutes left. <laughs> two minutes to spare <laughs> i was like i get to finally get home so so glad to be home and you know I, airlines have been crazy i don't know if you heard uh this morning there over the past couple of days spirit airline had to cancel like 450 flights yesterday and another 160 today those people are pis i'm sure <laughs> i mean it's bad enough you're flying spirit but did they be delayed <laughs> To be delayed, that's even more insulting. <laughs> yeah, really. Don't you have to pay extra for seat cushions on Spirit or something like that? They got those hard plastic seats, you know. Yeah, if you pee, don't worry about it. We just wipe it up. It'll dry up with the previous one. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, did they say why? Because I did hear that they were delayed. Was there a reason for the delay? They have, um, you're talking about Spirit Airlines? Yeah, the Spirit. Some of it has to do with uh, personnel uh, as well as their their internal, it's an internal issue. It's a scheduling issue or personnel issue that they're having. And interestingly, you know, I guess everybody's having personnel issues despite, you know, the jobs report yesterday coming out showing 943,000 jobs ad- added to okay. the economy with the... <laughs> Unemployment rate is what, about 5.4%? Yeah. And so why don't I hear any people bragging about that right now? Any of the (laughs) people who bragged about jobs numbers under Trump? I'm not sure. Right. Well, but while we're still begging for the moratorium, it's like, okay, I thought thought we were doing better, but maybe not. Maybe it's more jobs, but not jobs that people are qualified for. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Interesting, I watched the... um, I watched, um, I read through a, a Facebook argument. It didn't have to say a word. I was like, wow, look at this. I enjoy just reading sometimes. You know, people say, I'm here for the comments. I was there for the comments. And I usually read the comments first. Because... <laughs> I usually write them before I am like, what are you talking about? You're crazy. <laughs> but it was interesting. You know, there was this dialogue, and this one lady, she was just going in. On, well, she didn't go in on him, but she made some very good points. Every point that I would have made, I was like, yep, I don't have to write anything. Just click like, like, talking about the 
jobs, you know, how nobody wants to work if you if they get paid for not working. Well, the, the issue is that if people got paid enough to be able to afford to work, I mean, and that's something crazy. You have to be able to afford to work. That just doesn't make sense to me. I mean, if you have child care, you've got rent, especially here in Nashville, rent is just crazy out here. You have to be able to afford to work. And, you know, if you're not making a sufficient wage, how are you going to actually go to work, pay for daycare and everything else? And nobody wants to provide any type of assistance to those people. They say, well, you shouldn't be lazy. You should you should get a, um, you know, nobody told that person not to go to college or to do. I'm sitting there thinking, like, do you realize that the world needs people who do that type of work? Who's going to flip your burger when you go through the drive through line and be rude to them? Who's going to flip it if everybody had you know these high paying jobs who's gonna bag your groceries well i guess now we're bragging bagging our own groceries (laughs) (laughs) but you know it's interesting though because when um immigrants which again i think is really mostly teenagers and and probably older people who have um no longer retired or whatnot are doing some of these jobs but when immigrants are doing the work then it's they're stealing our jobs Mm -hmm. i mean you know (laughs) Like you said, someone's going to do the work now. I mean, do you want it to be um, automated? Because then, hey, eventually they'll find a way to automate those high paying jobs as well. So, and and so, (laughs) you know, so I mean, it's, it's funny the way sometimes we're just walking contradictions. It, it, speak it for is. yourself. Speak for yourself. <laughs> speak for yourself. <laughs> we'll, I'm just say before the end of this podcast, we'll see at least three examples from Dr. Mark Williams of what, of what I mean. <laughs> no contra- no contradictions here. I say what I mean. I mean what I say, even if you don't understand it. All right. <laughs> until tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I watched an interesting video yesterday uh, about this guy, Dr. Um, Oh, why am I thinking about forgetting his last name? Robert Mm. Malone, I think it is. He's a virologist and I guess one of the pioneers of mRNA vaccine. And so he's been on a lot of like Steve Bannon's War Room uh, Mm. podcast. He was on there. And really, I think a lot of people are starting to, you know, misquote. I I watched that, that conversation carefully. Because he said a lot of things, nothing really that I would have a whole lot of disagreement with, but the way that it was phrased, it was not something that you're going to have to walk back and, you know, contradict yourself. But if you phrase it appropriately, then you can convey a message without saying something untruthful. And and I watched how he presented his information. He said something like, you can't vaccinate your way out of the teeth of a pandemic. Now, what they were and and that was the crux of what they were talking about. Vaccination is not going to get us out of this pandemic. Well, if someone who had an an antagonistic or an opposing view um, were on the conversation, someone like myself, they would have pointed out, well, true, vaccination is not a cure. It's a prevention. So the goal is to vaccinate before you get into that situation. So now what's happened is we're in the midst of this Delta virus crisis, and it's too late to try to use vaccinations as the way to get out. So he's true. He's he's right. You can't vaccinate yourself out of the midst of an ongoing um pandemic that's true 
but the implication of it was that you shouldn't get vaccinated. And if there's no one there to actually give that other side to the uh, uh, point of view, then you walk away with it saying, hey, listen, is this, this expert who's who helped invent the technology for RNA vaccines is saying that vaccines are vaccination is useless. That's not what he said, but it can be construed that way because no one else is pointing out that view. Um, but here we are. We're seeing a rise now in the Delta virus and the reason why we are. Why, guess what? Surprise! They've been saying all along the Delta virus is going to become the predominant strain if we don't exercise, you know, take, you know, certain mitigative actions. And if people don't hurry up and get vaccinated. Um, so what's happened? Delta virus is taking over. We're starting to see some of the highest numbers uh, that we've seen since the since the the heat being in the middle of the pandemic last year. We're a year and a half into this thing, and we still have not yet learned that simple measures will help to prevent uh, lives. We even have more tools and and weapons in our armamentarium, and we're still not using it. We're just we're just my heart. I mean, not we. They're just some hard-headed people. <laughs> we're American until we're not. But you know what was interesting, though, is how we define in pandemic, because I guess for me, it's not just the virus that has put us into this pandemic. It's the effects of the virus. I mean, they're, they're causing grave, fatal consequences. And so to, to that point, if vaccination is alleviating a lot of those fatal the fatal consequences, then I do think that we are vaccinating ourselves out of this pandemic. I mean, you look at the flu or you look at colds, those are types of viruses that, that are never going away. We're always going to have them there. We're never, I don't even think we're trying to alleviate the presence of those, but yet we have medications and vaccines or whatever in place to ensure that we don't die from those viruses. So I guess from that standpoint, I mean, I would make the argument that, hey, we are trying to vaccinate ourselves away, but people are refusing to take the vaccine. And so therefore it remains a pandemic because those consequences remain in effect. Um, but but I, I do recall Dr. Fauci saying we were worse than what we were back in April of last year, which, you know, that was when we were beginning to some degree to start open, at least here in Georgia, for whatever reason. But it's it's also interesting that, that I think it was the governor of Arkansas that is saying he regrets removing the mask mandate and thinking that, hey, you know, I don't know what he was thinking. Maybe he didn't think it was as, as serious as it was or, OK, now I'm seeing some numbers low. So now I guess it's getting better, but not realizing that, hey, it's getting better because of the precautions, not <laughs> in spite of them. But, no, but but I am curious from your medical standpoint because I again I, I think here in Georgia I think we're at a forty percent rate of people that are getting vaccinated. We've got now President Biden wanting to rely on businesses to enforce vaccinations. I am I do anticipate uh, from my practice that I'll have a lot of clients asking about that whether they should mandate um, their employees to get vaccinated, particularly if they're going to require employees to come back to work. So what what are you, what are you thinking here as the medical profession of the two of us? <laughs> so I think we're in this situation right now is because people don't like the reach of government. They don't like government interfering with their daily activities. 
Um, and I think Biden is probably doing the the wise thing and saying, hey, let's just encourage the companies to require it and or or let's urge some of these companies to 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 move forward, because obviously uh, when in the absence of a mandate, you know, nothing has changed and the virus has continued to spread and will continue to spread and will continue to mutate. And so if you don't act then somehow or another, then uh, we're going to find ourselves in a worse situation two years down the road and having not learned lessons. I don't like the idea of mandates. Um, I don't like the idea of government interference because and, and get government initiated mandates. I think I was reading something before where they were saying in Australia, they're actually enforcing by military or the military. I don't know how true it was. I hadn't verified it. It was one source that I heard and it was actually a very far right media source. Uh, so. <laughs> so then take that with a grain of salt. <laughs> exactly. More than a grain, I'm gonna take a big block of salt. <laughs> but, you know, the thought was that, you know, the democracy, Australia, that they would be enforcing and uh, using military force to um, mandate vaccinations and, and mask use. I think, you know, at some point the government gets to the point where it has to. I posted something earlier. I said altruism, altruism is the most effective way to avoid mandates. If you just did simple mitigative practices, wear a mask, wash your hands, stay far away, avoid crowded places. If you just simply did those type of things just to help your fellow man, then we wouldn't have to worry about mandates. But we're too selfish of a country to be able to do this. I'm in a little soapbox here uh, because I, I, I had a conversation with a friend who was a nurse. She was an OR nurse. She said, well, well, you and I both, we've been trained. We know how masks work. And, you know, when I said, well, I wear a mask when I'm operating to protect my patient from getting infection from me. When I want to protect myself, I wear an N95 when I'm in the office. So masks do work. And her argument was that, well, you know, of course, when they tell us if we sneeze while we're operating to sneeze directly into the mask, don't turn our head or anything like that. Because when you sneeze, when you have a mask, the particles come out sideways. No surprise there. But the mask stops the forward propulsion of it. And so, yes, if you just look at mask use by itself, no, it probably won't stop the spread of the virus, but it will spread stop the the distance that the droplets spray and if you're socially distanced from them and even if you're touching your mask and you're using appropriate hand washing and not touching your face like we said from the beginning then you can help reduce the spread of this but people just don't want to take those simple steps to help protect their fellow man so mandates are inevitable and and i'm frustrated with a lot of christians who who will use that as a self-fulfilling prophecy to say i told you they were gonna the government's gonna try to reach and they're gonna reach far beyond what they supposed to well that's because you made them do that you know don't cuss don't don't get on my nerves till i cuss you out and, and then say i told you he wasn't saved you know no <laughs> <laughs> like, like as jo the devil did to Job, don't strip me of my health. <laughs> <And then they> go, <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> you know, um, but but what's, what's interesting, though, is what about the mandate not to mandate? Because I don't like what Florida governor is doing and saying, hey, I, I am mandating that you don't mandate. OK, I mean, what, what are we to do then? You know, we, we've got schools opening. You're telling pretty much these schools that you can't force or can't require the kids to wear masks, which makes, again, like you said, the teachers is not the kids that are the most vulnerable here, although we do know that there are deaths among children. They're but, increasing, too. Yeah. They're increasing. Like the hospitals yeah, like in Florida, said. children's hospitals in Florida are being overwhelmed with admissions from COVID as well. Kids being life flighted in respiratory distress. I saw a story about an 11 month old uh, just recently who was life flighted to the children's hospital because of uh, complications of COVID. So it's happening with our children. And if you believe that this virus will not mutate to start impacting children more greatly, you're fooling yourself. I mean, we already got a Delta variant. I'm wondering what the Epsilon or, or, or what the next one, the, <laughs> the Omicron. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, so while I, I hear you that you're against mandates, but what about the mandate not to mandate? It's I mean, still a mandate, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's still a mandate. <laughs> but at the same figure. time, you know, it, it's taken away people's prerogative to gov govern. And I use that word loosely because I do want us to ask ourselves, is government meant to govern or is it meant to care? for people. But if, if the mandate not if, if you're mandating as a business to do something for the protection of your employees, and then you get the government saying, No, you can't mandate everyone should just be free to, you know, hurt or injure others to their <laughs> heart's content. Where, where are we to go from there? At what point does it become a, a public health issue? And it's isn't it interesting how those who believe in limited government are the ones who use government to impose their <laughs> their will. You know, they want limited government until they want their will imposed. And so, yeah, yeah, we don't want government mandates until we can mandate that you don't have a mandate in your locality. Uh, we don't want the federal government to mandate. We want to be able to mandate at the state level. It's it's crazy to me, but but like you said, that's what people have all of this double talk. We have to we have to <laughs> we commit. We profess one thing and we come back in and we do another and then have to walk that thing back. Um, but yeah, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. Well, I won't say the dumbest thing. I know it's all politically motivated. <laughs> I must say we did go through at least almost half a year of Trump is still president. So. <laughs> and still going <laughs> still going <laughs> and still going i have a friend i have a friend you, you know eric has been on this show multiple times he thinks that uh that joe biden is a cgi i don't even know what cgi stands for but say, I'm, I'm computer generated image <laughs> i think it's a computer generated image you know that he's not really in the white house and that you know that they're staging everything on a green screen to make it look like he's actually president. I'm like, wow. <laughs> wow. But you know, on the other end, the things to worry about, I mean, whether he's in there or not, I, I don't care. I, what I care is, is there governing happening? And as yeah. we obviously are seeing again with the moratorium, Hey, the white house stepped in and uh, the white house by way of the CDC, but they, they still <laughs> stepped in and said, Hey, <laughs> We we can't, which I mean, I don't know if I necessarily agree with. Again, we, when we're talking about these mandates here and we, we obviously discussed unemployment and, and the like, 
okay, I, I, well, it's not just hurting the people paying rent, it's also hurting the landlords. And we know a lot of small businesses are, are landlords that are, are just single individuals, they're hurting. And I know that Biden is saying, well, I mean, I'm giving out money so to help them. Okay, well, obviously we talked about this before, access. Either they don't have access to the money or the wrong people are, are getting the money at the expense of people who may need it the most. But I don't know, again, you were talking about the mandate. I don't know if the moratorium was the correct solution. I get a lot of people are hurting. I do get it, but I don't know if that will end. And so how long, how long do we, we keep this going? A moratorium is just simply kicking the can a little bit further down the road. <laughs> right. You're still eventually going to have to pay Peter and uh, or pay Paul. Whether you have to rob Peter, then you still got to get paid. Paul still want to get paid. Um, I, I was a little confused by how, and maybe you can explain some of that. Uh, there had been this whole discussion with the moratorium running out that the White House could or could not intervene. And then next thing you know, here comes the CDC to the rescue or to the detriment, however you want to, <laughs> however you view it. How did they manage to do that? Well, the White House was saying, and, and President Biden has said this very, very a lot, that he was shying away from doing or from extending the moratorium because he felt like the Supreme Court is going to overrule it. And they, they've already, Supreme Court has already looked at other um, things that they've done and said that that was unconstitutional. So he felt like I put this in place, but the courts are just going to overturn it. Um, and so, but as you saw with Cori Bush and other people, they still had the outcry. I think she was laying out in front of the, the house or the Senate or whatever. And so the CDC stepped in and said, well, and, and what the CDC essentially made it seem like there's a public health issue. And so we're extending it again. I talk about this over and over. If these are compelling governmental interests and they're saying there is one because we have a public health crisis and we can't have people out of their homes because it will spread the virus and, and even more so than what it is now. So they extended it for 60 days. Now, I don't doubt that Again, landlords are probably going to dispute it, but by the time it gets up to the Supreme Court, those 60 days will probably be gone. And so then the issue will be, okay, are we going to extend it some more? Because again, I don't think that we're going to be any better in those 60 days unless you're essentially going to the people themselves to say, here's the money. People are not using the tools, presuming that they know what those tools are. Because we, like I said, we talk about access, we talk about knowledge, some people just don't have it. And so if, and not, it's not by their fault of their own. It's just, again, the lack of access to find that knowledge. But again, I don't doubt the money's there, but with, if you have access to it or you have the means to apply and get it, that's always the question that's in the air. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, it's gonna, it's gonna run out. We're gonna be here again. They, but you know, what's interesting also, they already, lifted the moratorium foreclosures. Now, a lot of the banks have said they've worked with some of the um, borrowers to ensure that either they're paying at least a, an amount that they can pay or they're able to pay more than just nothing so that that hasn't been an issue. And so then it's like, all right, are, is, is one able to happen because I guess people are working when they own the homes? Or I, I'm just kind of curious as to why, you know, one has been able to work and the other one hasn't. Um, but but like you said, I mean, rent costs are they're going to continue to climb because yeah. I mean, hey, housing is expensive. <laughs> so <laughs> if you can't yeah. afford a house, you, you're likely going to pay a high cost in rent. And we're starting to see where you know, unfortunately, 
government is going to have to intervene in too many other circumstances. But why? Because people won't. People, either people can't or people won't. More often than not, I think it said people won't. They have to intervene with, um, with sometimes the moratorium, uh, moratoria, um, because you know people will be. I can't imagine what will happen if you get that many people evicted from their houses at one particular <laughs> time. I don't want to imagine. If you think crime has already gone up, you can imagine how much quickly, more quickly, that will go up um, once people are evicted from their home, once they're homeless. If you if you want to see anarchy, go ahead and evict evict tens of millions of people from their homes and see what happens real quick. <laughs> so, well, we're we gonna see that soon enough because, like you said, the the virus is not getting any better. They're gonna get even. I think you were mentioning it might the strands might get even worse. And so, and if we're removing mandates and we're not forcing people to be vaccinated. Where, yeah. where do you go from there? <laughs> what, what do you think about forcing people to be vaccinated, though? Is that something that the government should be able to get to? Or, you know, it's funny because I mean, I'm similar to you in that I don't like big government. Um, and, and, and it's not even just a vaccination. When we talk about minimum wage, I'm like, let the states handle that. Every state is going to have a different perspective as to what the minimum wage should be. And I don't think that should be something for the federal government. Um, when we talk about even like an ins- insurance, I know that was a hot topic in, in some states mandate you have, and I don't mean health insurance, but car insurance. Um, uh, but, but even with the health insurance, I mean, you know, granted, the Supreme Court removed the mandate, but nonetheless, you know, it's it's available to people if, if they choose to have it in terms of the health insurance. Um, and so, I mean, I, I do agree that I don't like big government, um, but I, I do, I will not be opposed to businesses mandating it at all. I mean, again, we're talking about the safety of your staff. We're talking about the products and services that you're putting out to the public. And if you feel as a business owner that you want to utilize this vaccine that the government is provided for free to ensure that that's happened, I'm not going to be mad at you for that. And, and as an employee, you have the prerogative to say, no, I don't want to do that and go to another employer. Well, so but what about public services then? Because we still then talk about schools and schools, schools have public schools have mandated vaccines from yeah, <laughs> long time ago. I mean, measles. Yeah. There's a reason why it's not an issue anymore, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, there have been these mandates, and now all of a sudden, you know, nobody pays attention to it now until it becomes a big news story. And there's a lot of political opposition and heat behind the mandates. Um, I don't know that. I, I get the the whole point about schools mandating a vaccination. I, I get that you want to make sure that that is absolutely safe, not that it doesn't just have an emergency use authorization by the FDA and that it is fully approved by the FDA for use. Well, and, and I know the FDA is working on trying to get full approval. Uh, and hopefully within the next couple of months, they say that it will occur. But you still got a lot of now the skepticism of people who say, well, you don't know what some of the long term consequences 
of this are? Well, the truth of the matter is we don't know the long-term consequences of a lot of medications that that hit the field and hit the market until after they've been present for long-term. We didn't know that talcum powder could, you know, <laughs> could contribute to ovarian cancer until it's been used for 60 years or something. And all along, women using talcum powder, you know, put some talcum powder down there. <laughs> so, yeah, if we were omniscient, then, yeah, if we if the federal government and the FDA were omniscient, then, yeah, we can hold them to that standard. But. The reality is, is that we only know what we know today and to the extent that we don't know what we don't know. And once you discover what you didn't know back then, then hindsight is always twenty twenty. You're like, oh, how could we let this happen? Well, because we didn't know when we authorized <laughs> it and we saw a need. We saw that the risk, that the benefit outweighed the risk that we saw today. We can't say, you know, the, the benefit's going to outweigh the risk that we'll see 20 years from now. I don't know. We don't know what that is. But today we know that there is a benefit. And if that benefit outweighs all of the other risks that we know today, then we authorize it. Right. And we also know that over 600,000 people have died. No, and they I didn't. That, <laughs> I think that often gets lost in this. It isn't because we just decided, let's throw out some kind of um, solution so we can infiltrate the minds of our people and be able to control them like robots. No, there was an issue here. We've, we've got people dying frequently and, and us forcing lockdowns. And it's so all just because the government and Big Pharma want to, <laughs> want to control everybody. That's all. Dr. Fauci's in on the on the <laughs> on the yeah. scam. I get it. <laughs> world domination, world domination. That's exactly what it is. And I, you know, I, and I'd say that jokingly. I'm being facetious, but could some of that be going on? Certainly, there could be some of that. But the reality is, is that that's a heck of a lot of coordination <laughs> between a lot of you know probably very egotistical people around the world you know you get these the elite cabal as many of them want to say you do you realize the amount of coordination that they'd have to do in order to go across the world to impact these governments and and um you know i don't think that a handful of people have that much power and if you do have that much power you're certainly not you're probably much more egotistical than to try to share that with <laughs> five or six other people who's going to want to be in control. Somebody's going to. So I yeah. think the probability of this stuff being real is pretty high, but you still have people who say the numbers are overinflated. I'm saying like, well, how do you justify 600,000 deaths <laughs> more in 2020 than occurred in 2019, 2018 and so on? It just doesn't happen that way. So fine. You don't believe that COVID exists. Tell me what's the alternative uh, cause of death and why are so many other people now dying from heart attacks or why is that all of a sudden a, a, a uptick in people dying from cancers? If you can find an answer for that and a solution for that, then I'm willing to get behind that right now. The one that's before us is COVID and the government is looking at the data and determining that COVID risks are real. And as a result, we have to implement certain policies in order to protect our citizens from the uh, lethal effects and consequences of a COVID infection. Now, you know, while we both said that we 
are, I guess, I guess, more in favor of small government than big government. And here is again the viewers, the contradiction of Dr. Williams. I mean, we're both supporters of Biden. You know, Democrats are big government here, and you know, the the Republicans are usually small government. And so, you know, while we say we don't want government pretty much mandating or telling us how to live our lives and move, that is what Democrats typically advocate. They are, but. I don't, I'm not of this all or none mentality. <laughs> I don't do that psychiatric. Hey, we're talking splitting. about philosophy. We're, we're not, this is the philosophy of the party. <laughs> there are this philosophy of some in the party. Some in the party. Um, you know, we all believe in, in smaller government until we need the government to do something. And I do think that the government has a role to intervene in certain extreme circumstances in order to protect its citizens. If the government needs to lock down the country, then the government should go ahead and lock down the country if that's what needs to happen. If you don't like the decisions they made, you shouldn't have put them in that position. Bottom line, but the person <laughs> if who the we government are the- needs to wait, raise that minimum wage. Because I mean, hey, there is no doubt that a lot of the stuff that they put out there, they have found the need. There's an issue. Right. Um, I mean, when we're talking, I mean, we're talking about the virus and the pandemic, but even infrastructure. I think, I mean, both sides understand there's an issue. They're just debating on on how to resolve it. Um, and so, again, when people are, are saying, oh, well, there's no issue. We're just doing X, Y, and Z. No, there's an issue. We're just def- we're just um, debating on, on how to solve it. Now, to some, I guess I, some Republicans may say, hey, we don't need to give money to the states to help with their infrastructure. The, their states need to organize their own budgets and help with their own in- infrastructure. Whereas, like you said, when we see, obviously, with, oftentimes when people think of government, they're only thinking of federal government. And so then, you know, that gives the democratic philosophy more in their mind because their people don't vote locally as they should. They probably don't, but probably, you know, the numbers are down. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the numbers, number of people that vote nationally is way high. I bet you they're starting to figure it out right now because there's so much more information. They're starting to see that all politics is local. And so they need to really start finding out and paying attention to who are they putting into those positions in their, uh, in their localities. Uh, but I do think that now I'm going to say this from as a Christian government will do some things that I just don't like bottom line. I, I get that. And they may mandate me to do some things that I don't like, but I am as a Christian obligated to submit to that authority. Even so even, long as it doesn't contradict though, right? Contradict what? the i guess your um understanding or interpretation of what god is calling you to do i don't right? know, i don't even know about that i don't know about that i think there's probably one one exception is if you if you are forcing me to worship an idol or to blaspheme or deny christ uh blaspheme the holy spirit or deny christ aside from that my my belief is that as a Christian, my duty is to submit to the authorities, even those that are forward, those who are who misuse and abuse their authorities, even those who take my money and spend it for things that I don't agree with. You know, the, but I'm like, that was the whole criticism that, you know, when they came to Jesus and said, you know, um, 
whose money is this? Should we, you know, Caesar requires that we pay taxes. Well, that was a loaded question. And he was saying that Caesar uses his taxes. You know where that tax money's going. It's going into those pagan temples that Caesar builds. And, and that's exactly where it went. And it's going to fund all of his unholy, unrighteous activities. And you want us to take our money and give it to Caesar? And Jesus said, listen, give that's his money. Give it to him. And what he does with it, he's held accountable for it. But as a Christian, I'm held accountable to make sure that um, I demonstrate the 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 humility and the submission to authority that God had ordained from the beginning. The problem is that uh, the pro- the reason why sin entered the world was because of disobedience in the first place. And God wants more than anything; He wants obedience. Um, and want us to demonstrate as Christians what obedience is, uh, obedience to him and obedience to the authorities that we put in place that he allowed. And so if you don't like what government's doing, we're fortunate right now that we're in a country where we can change that. There are some places where uh, where people, citizens can't have no say in it. And those dictatorships and those monarchs, it's going to be that way one way or the other. I'm just grateful that in America, we have the opportunity to be able to change it. But until it changes, I'm submitting to whatever the authority. I don't like it. I might... I might voice my displeasure <laughs> for it, but you better Once believe you, you have that freedom of speech to do that, right? <laughs> I have the freedom of speech to be able to do it. But if they tell me to put my mask on, guess what? I'm putting my mask on. If they tell me to, I don't know about getting vaccine. Vaccine. <laughs> I did get vaccinated. Though. I was gonna say we well, already vaccinated. Well, I mean, I do think again. I, I do think there's an exception of, of if if there is a statute or if there's a mandate that goes against. Um, what your faith says and, and to me goes against the obedience to God because you were, and I can't recall the specific name, but you remember the old Testament, how they had a ban against praying and mm-hmm. yet, you know, he continued to pray and, and rightfully so. I mean, it was, that's our communication to God. And so, you know, I do think there's the exception there. I know oftentimes people like to use, and again, names are just escaping me, but the clerk who refused to issue a marriage license. And I was the first, I used the same quote, give on the Caesar with a Caesar. You can always find another job. I mean, if that's not what you feel as if, mm. you know, God is asking you to do, you can remove yourself from that job and go do something else. That's um, what it means to take up your cross. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, I say you, you will develop a platform in doing that. Right. Um, <laughs> But, you know, for the most part, I don't think there are too many laws, at least not here in America, that are going against what is aligned in terms, again, following the obedience of God. Now, hey, I don't I don't doubt, though, that there are things that are not, you know, one and the same, you know, just because you follow man's law doesn't mean you're following God's law. Um, But I do think you can follow God's law and man's law simultaneously as well. Yeah, well, the challenge that that we have, and this is my concern, is that um, we are, and this is a little bit more tangential, but it's still along the lines of what government is forced to do because of the behavior of our citizens and and our unwillingness to move. Wherever people fail to move and to do uh, whatever they fail to do voluntarily that needs to be done, the government will eventually wind up having to step in and do it. Uh, charity. If you look at charity, we fail to address our charity uh, and reaching out and helping people who are needy. 
And so because we failed to do that as a people, the government needs to step in and do it. I think it needs to. (laughs) I mean, I think that's I think that's the question is the government just to govern as in, hey, we are here to govern what you should not do or, or ways that ensure the detriment of others or ensure that someone doesn't have their life and liberty and, and their pursuit of happiness. But now, is the government there to care? And I know biblically, yes, we can argue that we should care for each other. But again, the government isn't God. You know, there's a separation here. And so I don't know if I would say the government is supposed to care for us. Now, we can, as people, decide to elect the officials that do that but if those officials don't do that are they not meeting the requirements of their office i don't know if i would say that well you can always make an extrapolation you can say well let's use this whole issue about charity and welfare um should the government be participating in welfare is that an act of caring or is that a contribution to uh public safety uh the reality is is that the the higher uh, poverty rates that you have, the higher crime you have. And if you really want to end in higher crime, then if the government is to help protect the citizens and their possessions from crime, then one way to address the crime issue is by addressing the poverty issue. So yeah, it, it could still be argued that that's still governance and it's not still just caring. Um, I just do believe also that, uh, and this is where I was getting at before, is that I do think that eventually Christianity is going to be considered a hate crime. I mean, a hate crime <laughs> by the government. I I swear, I believe it. it may not happen in my lifetime, but in my children's lifetime, <laughs> I guarantee you, or by it, certainly by their great grandchildren, by their children's lifetime, Christianity will be considered uh, a hate group. And well, um, if, the, if Christianity continues to align itself with white supremacy, which we do see origins in that, then yes, I, I hear what you're saying. But also, again, listeners point out to me, that's a contradiction, Mark. You can't I mean, to say that the big government should be caring for everyone. That's again, putting I didn't say that they should be caring for everyone. I didn't Welfare is a, is a for to your that's, point is a form of, of caring for people to ensure that no, they that don't go out and commit point. violent my, no, my point was that that's the way that the government helps to protect its citizens and their possessions is by making sure that every citizen in this country has a right and the ability to uh, to care for themselves. And Which they if, do, but without giving you money, right? Or not necessarily. Not so here's the problem. If you leave the minimum wage up to the states and the states determine that um, that 725 is is sufficient for you to live. I don't know any state where 725 an hour is sufficient for somebody to live off of. And so But is it you, the state or is it the people? Because like I said, if you as a people are not going to um vote those guys off so that your minimum wage is increased, then to be to blame it on the, the officials without putting ownership on the people electing that. That's what the that's to me what the people want then, right? But yeah, obviously that's what the people want. But but the people want. No, what happens is that the, the people, people don't really, know what's good for them. <laughs> that's, no, what, the, that's what. <laughs> no, it's not just what the people want. It's what the people with the power want. People with the money want, and so it's the it's the ones who are actually making. We think we live in a democracy. We really live but in we an don't. oligarchy. Hey, that's that's like another conversation, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is an aristocracy. 
And so what really happens is that the ones who have the monies are the ones who actually determines what happens in each election. It's not necessarily, it could be, and it should be the people. But in many circumstances, those who have the money have the means to be to, to subvert the will of the people. How do they do it? They do it with advert by funneling advertising dollars in it. How, how else do they do it? They do it by making work hours, not accommodating to people who can go to the polls. They do it by closing polling, closing down drive-through voting and 24 hour voting for people who otherwise wouldn't have the, 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 the financial latitude to take a half day off to work from work to go stand in a line to vote. And so, yeah, you don't have to be very overt in your in your methods. All you have to do is be effective in them. And the more covert you are in, in disguising your methods, the more effective you can become. And inherently, so I, big government is what ends up happening then. Because like you said, it's not the people dictating. And, and and I do. I, I'm not. I'm not disputing that welfare is important because I, I understand the need for it and, and all that. Um, but I, I'm not going to dispute that welfare is a form of big government. It is. It is what it is. It is. <laughs> but I don't think that. I don't think that the government should be the one who does it. My my premise was that when the people don't do what the people desire to do, then government must step in. And and I do think that. That's what happens. The government can have an oversight and can say, hey, listen, these are some of the things because we've got we've got much more money. We've got all this money. We can do the research. We've got all the data to be able to make it available to you and say, this is what we see coming down the pipe. If if the local governments don't remedy the problem, if the people in those local governments don't remedy the problem on a local level, then it becomes a state problem and then eventually becomes a federal problem. And that's when the federal government needs to step in. Which it sounds like we're going to be seeing that from a um, virus standpoint, because, again, these local governments, we you are, we already talked about Florida, but and, and great in Arkansas, his his governor has said, "Hey, it was a mistake, but I don't see him putting it back in place." Um, so they're Honestly, not going to handle it. Actually, I think this is a federal problem because these this, the the pandemic, the virus crosses state lines. You know, you can't say that because I live in Tennessee that you know um, only the rules in Tennessee don't impact people who live in Kentucky or who live in Georgia uh, just because, you know, they're in a different state. No, that virus doesn't respect your state boundaries or anything like that. And so this does become an interstate issue. And so the federal government probably should have uh, a bigger role in it. I'm cautious just because I know the mindset of many Americans and, and, and what it will do in terms of uh, setting off revolt and having another instance like January 6th come up, uh, people who are going to revolt against the against the government and the government's reach. As a Christian, that's never your responsibility. That is never your responsibility. <laughs> to revolt against the government. To revolt against the government. That if you're a Christian and you're out there and you're going to overtake the government, you are out of order and you are sinning. You need to go repent. All of you, all of you Christians who I was going to say, this is the modern day, not the Old Testament Christians, yeah. but the modern <laughs> <laughs> Every person who was on up at the Capitol uh, storming that building on January 6th and you call yourself a Christian, you need to repent. 
because you know I don't care how much you dislike what the government is doing. Your your mandate is not to seize this government, is not to apprehend the officials and bring back the order that you think is supposed to happen in this government. This government has its own rules, and the government that we submit to, the kingdom of God, has higher rules that are irrelevant. I mean, uh, which make this country's <laughs> rules irrelevant. So, <laughs> and again, that's the that's the oh, the New Testament. Because to your point, Jesus didn't come back to revolt against the Romans, and and so I mean, he said, "Give," like you said, he said, "Give him to Caesar what is Caesar," and we are going to love each other accordingly within this dictatorship or anarchy that is the Roman government. Yeah, but at the time. Without the New Testament, <laughs> we wouldn't be Christians, then would we? Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, but now Old Testament, they were definitely <laughs> destroying governments left and right and up and down. <laughs> so, you know, reconciling the two here. <laughs> I don't know. Were they destroying their own government, though? They were destroying uh, the governments in place so they could rule, weren't they? Yeah, were they I mean, they were conquering other governments. Conquering, yeah, destroying, but, conquering. <laughs> yeah, but they weren't, dis- they weren't revolting against their own government, though. I don't. I don't know. I haven't done a study on it. We'll have to <laughs> I was going to say, I'm look at some of the prophets, right? Telling the leaders, hey, you need to change what you're doing here. I think Isaiah, Elijah, all of them. I don't have any problem with that. I have no problem <laughs> with, with you going to the leaders and saying, thus saith the Lord. And in fact, that's what I've been posting on Facebook. I just have Facebook. I just haven't been saying, thus saith the Lord. I'm like, listen, you're going down the wrong path and you, this path is going to lead to our destruction. Now you can change course right now, or you can continue straight down the same pathway. And, and I think we're continuing straight down this COVID pathway, which it appears to be. And so God help us unless the government does something different. Oh, that's horrible when you say God help us, except for the But I do think, and, and we can, you know, I know we're getting close to close. I do think we also have to keep the mindset that this earth, this country, it will never be paradise. It will never be perfect for us to think that, you know, this is heaven and we need to make it so that it, it's heaven is um, misleading and, and, and it's going to be to our detriment. And so to some degree, you you accept, as we accept that we're all born sinners, you accept that we are living in a world that is consumed and regulated by sinners. Yeah. And so you take well, from that what you take from it, you know. We're also living in a world that is also controlled by nature. So nature <laughs> is going to have its way. Nature is having its way with us. I don't know. People think that Dr. Fauci birthed this virus in the lab. <laughs> Well, he birthed something really, man, look what the Fauci has made because, uh, because this sucker can mutate and it has a mind of its own now. And so, uh, but that's what happens in nature. Things mutate and they find ways to evade our defenses, whatever those defenses may be, uh, whether they become the vaccination or anything else. It was interesting. I had, I did want to make this one point I had, um, in that same video I watched with Dr. Malone, he he brought up this, this concept that the virus, that the vaccination, that people who receive the vaccination may be contributing to um, mutation of the virus to resistant forms. And, and I got what he was saying, and I was like, ooh, that is just so sneaky. That is so conniving. <laughs> Uh, to, to actually say that and to present it that way. So what 
the, the thought is this. Okay, so if you can get a vaccination and the way that viruses and bacteria work, if that organism is able to survive in a host, then it has it means that it has developed evasive uh, mutations that allows it to be able to survive, which means that you make more resistance. This is what we talk about with the antibiotic resistant bacteria. And this is one of the reasons why we don't like just willy nilly giving out back to, uh, antibiotics because the bacteria that can find a way to grow, even when you got that antibiotic on board, becomes a little bit more resistant and more difficult to treat. And you have to find a new medicine to treat it get it. And so he's applying that same philosophy to the virus. But the reality is, is that the more the virus lives, whether it's living in a vaccinated person or an unvaccinated person, the more it, it persists, the more likely it is to mutate, to be effective and uh, spreading to the next person. So it's not just those people who are vaccinated that are creating super viruses. It's the mere fact that the virus is still being allowed to exist. And those people who are unvaccinated are primarily the ones who are allowing it to persist. Because it, even though it's not 100% effective against um, the Delta variant, it's still like 80, 85% effective or maybe 70% or whatever. But guess what? That's 70% of the people who would have gotten infected and who would have allowed the uh, virus a host where it can mutate and, you know, do its workout, work with his body trainer or a personal <laughs> trainer and become more effective uh, and then become the epsilon or whatever variant comes next. Um, and so so I, I I was listening to that. I said, that is so deceptive. And I can see why when people listen to only one side of stories like that and they listen to experts, how they can easily become convinced and misguided, especially when it's not um, coupled with some type of balance to it. So um, but we do live in a world and a nature where nature will have its way. These fires will continue to mutate. The government has a role to do whatever it can do to educate uh, educated citizens and to protect its citizens. And whatever they decide to do, I'm on board with it. As well Even as scientists and health professionals like yourself. Well, whether I agree <laughs> with it or not, whether I agree with it or not, I'm going to comply with it because that's what I do as a good Christian. <laughs> Yes, feel free to put in your comments how often <laughs> Dr. Williams complies as a good Christian. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not talking about complying with you. I mean, you got some crazy requests sometimes and, you know, we can't go through all of that. <laughs> well, we didn't get into it today, but I don't want my listeners to think that, and I say my listeners, I don't want our listeners to think that we didn't think about it. We will talk about Governor Cuomo next time and uh, whether he's gaslighting some of these women or, or whether, in fact, they uh, what he's done has raised the level of sexual harassment. Mm. Um, so feel free. I know. I know. Look at you. you, you did. I to... mean, we should have. We should have <laughs> talked a little bit about that, especially <laughs> with his attorneys coming back guns a blazing. But we'll have more discussion of that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's so much to. I mean, again, it was 168 pages report, but it's it's so much to unpack because. It's often putting him aside. That's often a narrative that you hear from uh, people accused of harassment is, well, that's just how I am. Mm -hmm. So, 
<laughs> so anyways, but so feel free to leave your comments or your questions as we, again, give you that heads up that we will discuss that. Um, as always, you can catch us on your favorite podcast platform, The Roundtable Consult. You can, of course, listen and see our beautiful faces every Saturday or look at old episodes from the previous Saturdays on Facebook. Um, you can catch us on Star Radio. And as always, we really look forward to your comments and we will see you next Saturday right here, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time. This has been another episode of the Roundtable Consult. Listen to this or other episodes at your convenience on your favorite podcast directory or listening app. Or catch us live every Saturday morning, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time, 11 a.m. Eastern at facebook.com forward slash roundtable consult. Tune in live and join the conversation.